had stopped you and they were searching you for drugs, what would give you the most confidence or what would give you the most courage in that situation? Jesus. <laughs> okay? Anybody else? What would give you the most courage if the police were searching you for, for drugs? requires a 
many of us actually pray, Lord, today in church, I pray that somebody get saved. I pray that somebody come to know the Lord. Because you see, that's really why we are here at church. Pray brave prayers, invite God into our lives in such a way that things begin to happen when the prayer is answered. When we pray like that, we realize that we are reporting for duty for God. We are called to be soldiers for Jesus Christ. For we are in the army of God. And in our scripture reading today, Paul told us this about soldiers. He said, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officers. How many of you know soldiers got to be brave at times? Soldiers have got to be willing to do what they need to do to be pleasing to their commanding officers. Soldiers expect some suffering. Soldiers expect there to be an enemy shooting at them. Soldiers expect they might get wounded or they might get killed. How many of you are a soldier today? Praise God. Now, how many of us, even though we are soldiers, we spend a lot of time praying that these things don't happen to us? <laughs> so we want to be a soldier, but not a real soldier. Church. What are you willing to be? 
say, I see a need, I'm willing to try it, even though I'm not sure I can do it. God has been putting in my spirit. Let the church know, 15 minutes is what separates you from being a good church and a great church. 15 minutes. If we could just change 15 minutes of how we do things or making ourselves available, we can become a different church. When we think of David and his bravery, we think of his bravery in terms of fighting the lion, fighting the bear, fighting the lion, fighting the enemies of Saul, and going into battle no matter what. But David did something even braver than these battles. David went before God and he asked him, God, would you show me what I look like about myself from your perspective? David prayed this prayer in Psalms that we read today. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, what I find interesting about this prayer and the context which it's in is just before David gets to these verses, David is saying to God, he says, you know God, it would be good if you just killed all the wicked people on the face of the earth, especially the murderers who take people's lives without blinking an eye. And he says, and another God thing, God, I can't stand the way people take your name in vain. It just gets under my skin when I hear people talk bad about you, and they even have the nerve to claim they're doing stuff in your name, and David is just about ready to get ready with another one that he didn't like about how he hated him, when all of a sudden David had an aha moment. You know what an aha moment is? It's when God kind of taps you on the shoulder and stops you in your tracks. David does a self-check and he says, wait a minute, I wonder if I'm doing something that God's not too happy with. And so he doesn't do a self-check, he asks the Lord to search him and to know his heart. Has anybody besides me realized it is so much easier for me to see y'all sin than it is to see mine? Somehow when I wear a sin, it don't look as ugly as when you <laughs> wear sin. Have you ever noticed how you can think about doing something wrong, but God was gracious enough to you to keep you from going all the way to do it? But when somebody else go all the way and do it, The exact same thing. Doesn't matter, matter if it was lying, stealing, sexual sin, holding a grudge, being jealous. It just seems a whole lot worse when somebody else is doing it. You know why? Because we don't ask the Lord to search our hearts to show us what God sees about us. 
Many times we look at our own selves and we give us an initial stamp of approval. We're not that bad. If I told you, go out there and see if you see my keys in the fellowship hall, a lot of you just walk through the fellowship hall. No, I didn't see your keys. But if I said, go to the fellowship hall and search for my keys, how many of you know you got to move some stuff around? You didn't leave it under these papers. It's not over there. You didn't put it back there. You go into a much deeper process. When we just look at our hearts, our hearts will lie to us. When people tell you, just trust your heart, that is not good advice. Because God says our hearts are deceitful and wicked. I mean, we can honestly say, I have a deceitful and wicked heart. Go ahead, some of y'all can't even get it out your mouth. I have a deceitful and wicked heart. I think when um, I do marriages from now on, before I give them the thing to say I do, I'm going to say, look at them and tell them, I have a deceitful and wicked heart. So they know exactly what they married. Even though we are in church, how many of you know we just one conversation from telling a lie. Just one conversation. Because if somebody turned around to you and said, Oh, how things going? Ah! You know they just cut off your gas yesterday. You know you upset with so-and-so. You know everything is not fine. So why don't we so quick to lie? I'm sitting at a breakfast uh, uh, with all these pastors at the table and we're all talking and I met this new pastor from New Song up in Cleveland Heights and he looks at me with a big smile and he says, well, just how are things going at church church? I want it so bad to say, okay, great. Well, things aren't going so well right now. I wanted to jump up and run from the table before you could ask me, what do you mean? But we are just trained to say things because we think if people really know me as I am, they're going to reject me. They're not going to like me. You know, if you knew people as they really are, you'd realize they ain't that much different from you. You know, when, when, when I first got married, I thought Pastor Toby was getting the prize of a lifetime. I just knew I was going to be the greatest husband this world has ever known. 39 years later, I'm saying, oh, would you please help me? Then we miss the love, the fellowship, 
the acceptance that God intended for us to have in the body of Christ. Our wicked hearts keep saying that, no, no, you can't do that, you can't do that. Yes, you can. As a pastor, I have heard just about everything under the sun. It doesn't stop me from loving you. It doesn't stop me from caring for you. Because I know some of the things you did, I at least thought about them. Thank God he grabbed me in time, but I did think about them. Let me ask you this. When you are in an argument with another person, and you say, this is why I did that. What do you expect them to do? Oh! 
tell them from the get-go, this person is a disaster for your life. They believe they are on the road to heavenly bliss. Nothing you can do can change their mind. It's not your intentions that determine where you end up. It's the pathway you are traveling on that determines where you end up. As a society, we are no longer willing to ask brave questions because we are morally bankrupt. Why did we just raise the age to buy cigarettes to 21 and at the same time, we are doing all we can to legalize marijuana. I have never once heard of anybody getting high and losing their mind after smoking cigarettes for 30 minutes. They might have been coughing, but they were not losing their minds about to do something crazy. I do not understand why it was so evil to have drugs in our community and we sent all of our young people to jail and now we want to sell drugs in our community but only rich people get to sell drugs in our community because you got to have a license to do it. I still say if our young boys knew how to sell drugs before it became legal, they should know how to sell them after. And I'm sure if you tell them, all you got to do is pay taxes on it, they'll be willing to pay taxes on it. But no, we've sold ourselves out. I wish everybody that sold drugs in my community also would live in my community. And with the executives, they finally got around to arresting for the opioid crisis that we're having. Are they going to get a life sentence like El Chapo from South America? Or are they going to get to pay a fine and go to a little recreation center for a year or two? We hear all this talk about poor people, wanting to help poor people, wanting to help poor people in the inner city. I don't understand this. Why is it that insurance companies are allowed to redline our community, but it was illegal for banks to do it? Jim 
is scaring grocery stores away. Okay, I live in one of them communities. We had vacant buildings for 10 years asking for a grocery store. They didn't come. I thank God I had a general dollar to go to. I thank God I got a family dollar to go to. When Dollar Tree came to Glenville, If you don't change hearts, 